Hello and welcome to another episode of Crash the UK Geek Podcast. This is episode 431, recorded on Monday the 28th of March 2022 at 23.01.17. Yes, I am back again. I've had so many comebacks. I'm like Rocky. Okay, not physically, but... You get the picture. (laughs) It has been quite a while since the last transmission of Crash. I haven't been tweeting much either. It's mainly down to not being very well. My eczema and gut is still bothering me, but bothering me less than before. So here we are again, and we can continue where we left off. And unlike the last podcast, which was an After Dark episode, with not that much geek content, more personal content, and a little review of non-science fiction, fantasy, and horror stuff I've been consuming, today I actually have some geekly content earlier Just before the podcast, I was also reading James Herbert's Moon. I'll be able to talk to you about that soon. I'm just a few pages away from a little vignette that is very familiar to James Herbert readers. It surprised me because it is almost exactly the same as at the beginning of Rats, and also in Moon, the protagonist is a teacher. I do wonder about James Herbert sometimes. What is it with him and schoolgirls? That did make me laugh a bit. I thought, this is almost lifted straight from Rats. But anyway, we'll talk about that some other time. This is not why we're here tonight. Tonight we're catching up on... Many things that I have watched not so recently, but hasn't yet made it to a podcast. There's quite a lot of that, and some more recent stuff. Let's start now, then, with Antlers. This is one of those movies I saw quite some time ago, though at least it was this year. It is yet another horror film that delves into Native American mythology. That mythology that it digs into is the Wendigo, yet again. I'm sure that this cryptozoological, mythical creature has featured in just so many things that I can't remember. I'm pretty sure there was an X-Files episode or two as well. But anyway, let's get to Antlers, which is, of course, because we're talking about the Wendigo, a creature feature. Unlike Ravenous, which was also about the same topic, but was set in the past. Ravenous from 1999, starring Robert Carlyle. This film antlers is from 2021 and set in the present day as well it's set in a miserable 
ex-mining town that has seen better days while it is falling apart at the seams. There is a terrible depression going on in the town and there are no jobs. Though while the mines have closed, enterprising local druggies are using the tunnels of the mines as a drug lab. That is, until they are unfortunate enough to encounter a Wendigo. And then a minor sort of hell breaks gently loose as a young boy survivor fends for his monstrous and now very, very hungry family. I thought, although it wasn't a terrible film, it is not very impactful. It's also filmed too grimily and artily for its own good. Artily? (laughs) Is that actually a word? Instead, I think they should have upped the schlock. Not everything has to be art house cinema. Oh, and the excellent Graham Greene plays a retired sheriff. He only puts in a brief appearance, but... I really like Graham Greene. Next, sort of related, very distantly, sort of... I don't want to give any of this away, but Firestarter. I watched the trailer for the upcoming adaptation of Stephen King's 1980 novel, which I have read. It is the second adaptation. The first was in 1984 and starred a young Drew Barrymore. (laughs) She was young in everything she starred in. It was okay, the 1984 movie, but fairly average. I think this new version looks far more promising and much more dramatic. Firestarter is a sci-fi horror about a pyrokinetic girl and the government goons who want her back and are after her. She's helped by her father, or rather guardian. It's hard not to give too much away, but it is a fairly high-concept movie. It's easy to understand. I hope they do it justice this time. And that is Firestarter coming soon. That is it for the movies I wanted to talk about today. Let's move on to some television. First, let's talk about The Fear Index. In The Fear Index, we have a savant, computer whiz kid, well, whiz man, he's not actually a kid, who creates a stock market trading algorithm based on market fear in this Robert Harris adaptation. In this dystopic and pulpy techno-thriller, the machine intelligence gains sentience, of course it does, and starts to cause disasters to help the hedge fund that made it profit by shorting the market. When I wrote this, I did some research into stock market trading, but now it's weeks later and I can't remember what any of what I just said meant. 
If you're a financial wizard, let me know if that makes any sense at all. I actually know that I did have at least one listener who plays around on the market. God knows whether they're listening or not. Back to the Fear Index. In it, there's a bit about the protagonist's brain abnormalities. That made me think it was going in uh, Michael Crichton's The Terminal Man direction. But that thread was abruptly dropped and forgotten about. And we went straight to familiar machine gone mad fair. There's also an early bit of weirdness with the machine hiring a German cannibal to eat its daddy. How is that for topical? (laughs) The Fear Index started promising, but descended to a cliched snooze. Let's move on to another thing that I watched quite a while ago and then wrote the show notes, and now, looking at them, I'm thinking, oh, this is almost like a cold read. Okay, next is Archive 81. Archive 81, the property, began life in 2016 as an audio horror podcast made by two chaps, Daniel Powell and Mark Solinger. It was adapted into a Netflix TV series earlier this year by producer James Wan. Yeah, that James Wan. Aquaman and Malignant. We've talked about both those films on this pod. And we had mixed feelings. The writer is Rebecca Sonnenschein. She's the writer on The Boys, or at least one of the writers. And the director was Rebecca Thomas from Stranger Things. Quite a distinguished pedigree, then. In Archive 81, present-day film restorer, chap called Dan, is made an offer he can't refuse. A mysterious corporation owner wants him to restore videotapes from a building that was destroyed by fire, the Vissa building. He'll do this in return for a massive payout of $100,000. He's a film restorer, and $100,000 is a lot of money, so of course, he does as he is asked. Only there are a few odd little stipulations to the contract, and one of those is that he has to move to a bunker in the woods, which should be a warning sign right away. In the bunker, he begins work. The tapes were made by a young student named Melody as part of her dissertation. It is a documentary about the lives of the Visser building's tenants. Dan discovers through the tapes, yes, we go into found footage here, that Melody is soon plunged deep into conspiracy, cult, spirits, and exorcism. 
the worlds of present-day Dan and past Melody begin to merge in distressing ways to both of them. Towards the end, the multiple worlds concept is stolen shamelessly from Star Trek Generations. It also wants to pull off Inception-scale destruction, but the budget doesn't quite stretch to that. There are other obvious film influences as well, including Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. The twist at the end is an unnecessary cliffhanger that is far too mild and undramatic to justify a second season. Whereas the film Antlers dips into art house to its detriment, I felt that Archive 81 revels in it and does quite well. Or perhaps it's just better at handling a low budget. Adding the found footage trope to the mix makes three things that I usually don't like about genre media. Art house, low budget, and found footage. But in this case, I felt it worked for me. The protagonist, I thought, could be a little less tragic. But there was great acting all round, and absorbing subject matter, tense atmosphere, sparingly used and genuinely horrific moments, and I thought altogether it was a very cohesive and well-thought-out storyline, and that elevated the entire production. Given the aforesaid provisos that I mentioned like budgetary constraints and a weak ending, I still think that Archive 81 works well as a one-season show. I can see how they would like this to return, given the ending for another season. I don't think it should return. It is good as it is. I recommend Archive 81. If you're a horror fan, watch it. You'll enjoy it. Watch it and appreciate it as a mini-series, even though it isn't, apparently. From a not-miniseries to a miniseries, Station Eleven. Station Eleven is a 2021-22 HBO Max miniseries set in the aftermath of an apocalyptic flu pandemic, which is just the type of drama we need right now. In Station Eleven, we follow the protagonist both as a child during the events of the pandemic and as a young adult member of a travelling company of actors bringing entertainment to decimated civilization, Horton Catchfire actor Mackenzie Davis is okay in the role as the adult protagonist, though the actor playing her younger counterpart, Matilda Lawler, is great. Also great is her reluctant guardian, played by British actor Himish Patel, who I believe has been in EastEnders. I know nothing about that, I haven't watched EastEnders for years. But anyway, the character he plays is pretty good. Very, very interesting. And at the beginning, very, very funny. 
One last thing before I leave Station Eleven behind, and yeah, Station Eleven is a mini-series. I have an episode or two left to watch, and then I'm done. I think it's probably worth your time. Now I'm going to stray a bit because I have a moan. That is a moan about the author of the novel that this is based on, Emily St. John Mandel. She is also one of those authors contributing to the sci-fi ghetto. I've talked about this till I'm blue in the face and it drives me insane. Other prominent contributors include Margaret Atwood and Kazuo Ishiguro. All these people believe, quite wrongly, that the sci-fi that they definitely write is, in actual fact, literary fiction. I absolutely hate and despise this kind of snobbery, and I would argue that there's no such thing as literary fiction. This has, of course, absolutely nothing to do with my review of Station Eleven, but I feel that as an aficionado of science fiction, fantasy and horror, I cannot ignore disrespect to a genre I love. It bugs the hell out of me. I've got to move on. Lost in space. Oh, (laughs) okay. I can simmer down and hopefully my blood pressure will go down. I finally watched and enjoyed the final season. I say finally because Lost in Space, this current reboot television series, finished in late 2021, December sometime. I like the series. It's nice to watch something that's a little lighter in tone. I started box setting the final season, season three, on a lovely sunny Saturday morning, that was the 19th of March, over breakfast and hot tea, and it was great. The wrap-up for the show was good, it didn't leave any loose ends, and that is it for this reboot. Though Danger Will Robinson, I am sure this isn't the last reboot. Final thoughts, I really want a robot friend, though you've heard me talk about this before, (laughs) and also that Parker Posey is absolutely excellent as the morally lax and broken Dr. Smith. I know she has had mixed reviews of her performance. People who disagree with what I just said are wrong. Is that a little egotistical of me? Well, it's my podcast. Star Trek Discovery. I have watched this very recently, thinking that it was the final season, only to discover that it is not the final season. I've got to say, I'm not a fan of the show. I'm glad Star Trek is out there, as a TV show, and that we're getting another TV show soon. That is great news, just to have Star Trek in existence in several different forms, including animation. 
But I don't think this show is for me. A lot of rather nasty... I won't call them fans, because how can you be a fan of Star Trek and complain about wokeness? Wokeness is not the problem. Come to think of it, since when did wokeness become a problem in the first place? I mean, the literal opposite of wokeness is asleepness. Is it better to be a zombie? Frankly, the world that we live in is nowhere near as inclusive as it should be. So those phobic whiners should really shut their faces. I like diversity. Most Star Trek fans do. I, D, I, C, need I go on? Wokeness is not the problem. What is the problem is I don't like the plots. I think it is weird that one small ship keeps saving the universe. All the other Star Trek franchises, even the original series, occasionally dealt with smaller-scale, non-galaxy-ending problems. I also find the long, single-arc seasons tiring. I want more variety. I just don't want one story spanning most of a season. Because of all those things... Star Trek Discovery isn't for me. I am hoping that the new show, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, isn't more of the same. I hope we go back to having one adventure a week. I also hope that they reduce the amount of despair porn, which is also exhausting. I'm not really sure why everyone is always on the edge of... Depressive psychosis. I'm not even sure that's a thing. (laughs) But yeah, people are very, very depressed. Yeah, I know it's a difficult situation for a lot of the characters, and yeah, I can understand why there should be some, but it's really laid on in scenes that don't require there to be any misery. Ah. It's also not very funny. While Star Trek is not a comedy, the original series, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, they all had lighter moments. Lighten up, Star Trek. Moving on to Rick and Morty. This is what I've been watching most recently, and that is season five. And yes, that was back in 2021, but I'm getting round to it now because I'm slowly, very, very slowly running out of things to watch, which frankly is a relief. And it's part of the reason I'm starting to pick up where I left off with James Herbert's Moon. Yeah, I am back again watching Rick and Morty which is The Adventures of a Mad Scientist and His Grandson. It is based on The Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. This current season is as funny and disgusting as it usually is, and I'm working my way through it at Castle Royenstein. All I can say, and I have said this before, is watch the one with a pink giraffe from a previous season. I can't remember which previous season that is, or episode, but the pink giraffe 
Have a look at that expression on its face. <laughs> oh, okay, next. The Sandman. This is an upcoming sometime this year. I have no news on when the release date is. It is a Netflix streaming TV show based on, of course, Neil Gaiman's cult DC comic book series that ran from 1989 to 1996. It stars Tom Sturridge as Morpheus, a.k.a. Dream. Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer. Interesting and creative casting. Sanjeev Bhaskar as Kane, and quite a lot of other English actors too, and it is also filmed in the UK. My fingers are crossed that this will be good. I have only read a couple of the comics. I'm definitely not well versed in the Sandman universe, and I would very much like to hear from actual fans of the comic book. What are your expectations? And what do you think from what you've already seen? Did I say a lot of British actors? Did I mention Charles Dance? I think he's in it too. Yeah, Charles Dance. Wow. And that is The Sandman, coming sometime this year. Technology, nothing really to talk about, and no more boring mic reviews. I'm only going to let you know in future if I change microphone. At the moment, today, right now, I'm continuing to use the SM58. I'm just a bit nervous about using my SM7B because it is so expensive, and the house is in chaos, and I don't want to knock it and destroy it. I just want to wait till I've got a proper studio. Moving on to the after show, and that is it. I just wanted to say, although I should have said this right at the top of the show, hello again, old friends. I hope you enjoyed my return to podding, and will join me again soon. I'm planning to do a Doctor Who revisit extremely soon. In fact, it was supposed to be this one, and then it was supposed to be one before this one, The Doctor Who revisit that I wanted to do was supposed to be some time ago. Life got in the way. Talking about life, I almost missed the deadline for starting this podcast, because what happens is I'm right next to the room where there is a massive TV. And actually, I'm also underneath all the bedrooms and the bathrooms. It is incredibly difficult to get quiet time to do this pod. I did say that I'd be trying to do this pod from the car, and my car is quite well insulated. Not from itself, it's noise as hell when I'm driving along, but it's because of the wind hitting it, it's not exactly an aerodynamic shape, which is another good reason for calling it the Millennium Falcon. Though finding a quiet place has proved problematic. I will try it soon, and that may help doing this podcast. Although I'm not sure I can do it in the middle of the night. There are a couple of places I know I could park and do a pod, but I'm sure Plod would be interested in some bloke in the middle of an empty car park in the middle of the night. That is it. 
Thanks for listening. The show that you've just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find me at RoyMatur.com. Please help by reviewing and rating the show, recommending it to a friend or mortal enemy, or by clicking on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in yet again. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast. This was episode 331, recorded on Monday the 28th of March 2022, and the time at the end of the show is 23.39.42. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!